Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans in chapter 12. I want to say this. I appreciate very much the hard work that the people involved in our music ministry, they put into our music. Um, I I truly appreciate it. Um, Oftentimes, uh, they they are overlooked in in the uh, hard work that they do, and I I just appreciate it. Romans in uh, chapter 12, uh, we'll be there in a minute, but I just want to take a minute and say this. Uh, uh, the, the subject that I'm getting ready to speak on this morning in the 40 years that I've been saved, um, I, I have heard very few sermons dedicated to this particular subject. Um, I think, that, and if my memory serves me correctly, uh, I've only dedicated one sermon myself to this subject, um, now I've talked about it a lot in uh, you know in in sermons, but as far as dedicating to a particular subject, um, uh, it, it really, uh, for whatever reason, isn't very often. But it should be uh, because this particular subject can affect uh, our contentment. It can affect our our stress levels. Our satisfaction uh, <clears throat> with life in general, um, the joy that we experience on a day-to-day basis, uh, it, it can even affect our walk with God. The title of my message together uh, uh, this morning is Striving Together in Our Relationships, Part 1. Um, it's probably going to be a three-part uh, mini-series here. Uh, striving together in our relationships. You know, our relationships <clears throat> uh, can either push us toward God or pull us a- away from God. Uh, it- it's really pretty simple. And it's something that oftentimes we just take for granted. But <clears throat> we can be a success at work. Our, our teams can be uh, winning the World Series or uh, the Super Bowl. Our kids can be excelling uh, in school and in sports. And life in general can be, can be going wonderfully. But if our relationships are in turmoil, it all sucks the life out of us, does it not? But on the contrast... Life can be spinning out of control or appear to be spinning out of control. Things aren't going our way, so to speak. Uh, Kids are struggling in school, in life. But if our relationships are healthy, we can have peace and contentment through all the turmoil. Can we not? It is absolutely vital that our relationships are built on a solid foundation. Now, let me ask you a question. Why are relationships so important? Think about it. Now, don't answer. I'll, I'll answer it for you. But I just want you to think about it for a minute. 
Why are relationships so important? The answer to that is, I believe, is this. Because God designed us to be social beings. And that is one of the reasons why this whole COVID thing has been so difficult for so many people. It is because God has designed us to be social beings and relationships are a key part of that design. So that means if he, if God, he designed us to be social beings, he designed us to need relationships, then he would know how to make relationships work. Is that logical? So then that would cause us then to answer the next question, and that is, where do we get the instructions on relationships? The Word of God. Let's start reading in Romans chapter 12 in verse 9. It says, let love, without, uh, let love be without dissemination. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in Instant, uh, continuing instant in prayer, disputing, dis, give me, distributing uh, to the ne uh, necessity of the saint, of saints, given to hospitality, bless them <clears throat> which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not <clears throat> high things, but uh, condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we are truly thankful and grateful for your instruction book. And Lord, as we look at this very, very important subject of, of relationships over the next couple of weeks, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us and that you would instruct us and that you would guide us in a way that would be well-pleasing. We are thankful for all that you do. We ask that you would bless. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In these 13 verses that we just read, there are 31 directives on how to have a good and right relationship. 
23 are things that we are supposed to do, or, or 23 do's, and 8 don'ts. The 23, or excuse me, the 31 uh, directives can be broken down into three categories. The first one is our personal character. Too often, and please get this because this is really important. Too often, when <clears throat> there is a problem in a relationship, we tend to think it is the other person that's causing the problem. And I'm here to tell you, 99% of the time, the problem is where? It's with us. It is, it is flaws in our character. And, and most of the time, again, this is my experience, most of the time it's because of a misunderstanding. Something was said, it was taken the wrong way. Uh, let me say this. That's one of the reason, reasons I hate texting. How many of you have gotten in arguments with people because of a text that you misunderstood? We all have. And feelings can get hurt. You know, I, I have one person in particular, I won't tell you who it is, because it's not important. But when my phone goes ding, and I look down, and I see it's this individual, I, I can almost guarantee you they just sent me a book. And I'm like, just call me. Just call me, okay? Just do me a big favor and just call me. Anyway. <clears throat> But truthfully, more often than not, the problem starts with us. And that is, that is oftentimes, that's a hard pill to swallow. The second category is our outward behavior. Uh, when our character aligns with God's design, then we can have healthy relationships. Think of, if you would, the, our, our, our behavior as tools in the toolbox and the, the, the uh, things that God gives us in the Word of God are tools that we can put in the toolbox so that we can build healthy relationships. Just recently I was speaking with a, a couple who are um, starting to get friendly with each other. And I, I, I encourage them to build their relationship on this book. I said, when you get together, how much time do you spend in the book? And they're like, uh, hmm. Uh, that, that, the answer to that is none. Okay? Just saying. And I said, let me encourage you. Spend time in this book every time you get together. Even if it's just a, just a few minutes. But if you will build your relationship on this book, it will help a lot. Avoid a lot of problems. And then the third category uh, is one that we all struggle with. And that is our response when things go wrong. How do we respond well? You know, um, you, you cannot control what other people think, say, and do. But you can control what you think, say, and do. 
So it's an, it is super important that we understand the, the fact that we, we don't need to just react. We need to think through situations. And it'll avoid a lot of heartache. So point number one this morning. <clears throat> we only have one point this morning. And we'll have point two next week, okay? So point, two, point one this morning is having right character. Right character. Before we engage in any relationship, before we engage uh, or even start to speak, we need to ask ourselves, what does our, my character look like? I, I want to give you this morning, we're gonna, the, 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 this is the message, the, the, the sermon this morning is four questions. I'm going to give you four questions this morning that you need to ask yourself about your character. And all four of them are given to us in the first couple of verses that we read this morning. The first one we see in verses 9 and 10. Actually, the, the first two we see in verses 9 and 10. He, it says in verse 9, it says, Let love be without dissemination, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one toward another, with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. So, letter A under right character is, am I sincere? Am I sincere? I, I don't believe it is accidental that God starts the directives with the word love. He starts these 31 directives, the very, the very first thing in in, uh, or the, it's really the second word in uh, verse 9 is let love. Love needs to be the foundation to every healthy relationship. Warren, Re Warren Wearsby wrote this, Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body, which enables all the believers to function in it, in a healthy and harmonious way. Boy, that didn't come out very easy, did it? But I want to look at this word dissimulation uh, uh, <clears throat> because that's not a word we would use today, is it? The word dissimulation. Let, let me let me read it to you again. Let love be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation simply means to uh, uh, hypocrisy. So, let, let me read it again, putting it this way. Uh, let love be void of, this, of, of hypocrisy. See, true love, when you love someone, there can be no hypocrisy. If there is hypocrisy in a relationship, can love be present? Not really. Not agape love. Affection can be present, but not true love. The same Greek word is used in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, seeing we have uh, purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love. It's the same 
the word there for uh, unfeigned is the same uh, pure or unhypocritical love of brethren. See that ye love one another with a what? Pure heart. Fervently. Our love for others must be sincere. Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more, <clears throat> more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may uh, approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Now the word sincere in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10 is an interesting word. The word sincere here, uh, those of you that have been here at Grace Baptist Church for a while know this. I've talked about it before. <clears throat> but the word sincere here literally means without wax. And on the surface, you may ask yourself, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> in order to understand the word sincere, you need to understand the culture. The culture of the day is this. When, when you would go to the market and buy a piece of pottery, the people who make pottery, which I've never made pottery except in the third grade and kindergarten with my handprint, <clears throat> um, when they make pottery and they dry it, what can happen? It can crack. Well, if you're buying a water pitcher to hold large amounts of water, what do you not want in it? Cracks. So what they would do <clears throat> is the people who would make the pottery, before they paint it and decorate it, <clears throat> they would take wax and they would fill the cracks. Then they would paint it and decorate it so you can't see the wax. And then take the fact that you're in the Middle East. What would happen in the summertime? <laughs> this pretty pot would then start to what? Leak. So if you were to go to the market and pick up a pot and look at the potter, you would say, is this pot sincere? Or is this pot without wax? Because you can't see it. See, we can, we can hide a lot of things in our lives. We can, we can put on a facade and we can, we can fool a lot of people. But I'm here to tell you, in relationships, when you get to know people, guess what you cannot do? You can't hide anymore. And our relationships need to be sincere or without wax. Verse 10 of our passage here in Romans tells us or describes to us what love is supposed to look like. Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. That's what love is. 
sincere love. That's what it looks like. And, and it goes in a marriage relationship as well as a just a friend relationship. See, this, this passage is not talking about marriage. It is talking about relationships. First John chapter 3, verse 18, My children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in what? Truth. In deed and in truth. So what we do and what we say needs to be what? Sincere, without wax. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. See, when we, when we use the right word, we can be an incredible blessing to someone. But what's the flip side of the coin? We can use the same, we can use the same tongue to speak words that are not pitchers, uh, apples of golden pitch. We can destroy people with one word. We need to be so careful. The first question we should ask ourselves is, are, am I sincere? The second question is even harder. Do I have pure motives? Do I have pure motives? Look at verse the, the second half of verse 9 again. It says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. In other words, do I hate evil and do I embrace good or do I just tolerate? See, we live in a world that tells us that we need to tolerate evil. You know what? It, it, they can do what they want. It's okay. No, I, I still don't have to like it. Now, we live in a country... That is a free country. And if they want to do that, that's their business. But don't tell me I have to like it. I am to hate evil and I am to embrace good. That is exactly opposite of what the world tells us. What motivates you to do what you do? That, that, that is a sobering question. L let me put it even more personally. Why are you even here this morning? I can't answer that. I hope you're here because you want to hear something from the Word of God that can hopefully help make you uh, 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 your, your walk with God a, a, little, a little better today. I hope that's why you're here today. But if you're here because you have to be here, I'm sorry for you. I, I truly feel sorry for you. But what motivates you? Because, see, we're all motivated by something. Late in October of 1944, those of you that are history buffs, what was going on in 1944? World War II. Late in October of 44, a, uh, uh, the commanding officer of a platoon got orders 
that he was to take his platoon into a small French town and that they were supposed to rid this town of German occupation. That was, that was their assignment. Typically, uh, those of you that are any kind of history buffs at all know that anytime uh, uh, that kind of situation comes up, the, the, the casualty rate goes, goes high because of the fact that the, the Germans were embedded in the town. They had snipers all over the place. They had particular, you know, I mean, they had it all set up so that the casualty count would be really, really high when, it, when the Americans attacked. But in this particular instance, French resistance fighters had gone through the entire town house by house, and they had made a map laying out every German position, every, every machine gun nest, every sniper, uh, even the quarters where the, the, the German soldiers uh, bunked at night, every detail through the entire city. The platoon leader gave the map to the platoon. Every street, even the name of every street, incredibly detailed of, in, 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 in every way putting their, the, the French resistance fighters, putting their lives on the line for, for this platoon. The outcome of this particular battle, if you would, would have little or no bearing on the overall scheme of the war. But when you're a platoon leader taking your men into danger, you're going to do everything you can to prepare your men for what they're about to face. So the platoon leader made every soldier study this map to the greatest detail. And they came up with a plan to how to attack and so on and so forth. But what was so unique, and I've never heard this before, what was so unique about this platoon leader is he, he, he literally gave every one of his soldiers a written test. And every one of the soldiers passed the test with 100%. The casualty rate, needless to say, was a lot lower uh, because of the, this, this map. So they were able to go in, drive the Germans out, and the casualty rate was, was much, 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 much lower. Again, what was interesting, about 30, 40 years later, a historian heard the story of the test, and actually, how, I don't know, but got a copy of the test, and went to France, and there was a group of American uh, visitors, uh, uh, tourists. And he thought, I'm going to give them the test. So he gets this group of tourists together, and for, for two or three hours, these tourists examine the map. And then he gives them the test. And they failed miserably. 
What's the point of the story? Exactly. They were motivated. The soldiers were motivated to learn the map. The tourists, I mean, what did they have to lose? My point is this. We're all motivated by something. What are you motivated by? See, if you look at the Bible like the tourists do, you're going to fail miserably. But if you look at the Word of God like those soldiers did, you're going to do all right. Now, you're going to make some mistakes along the way, and mistakes were made because there were casualties. But what motivates you? See, God has given us a map book. He's given us the map book. How well do you know it? Do you cleave to that which is good? Do you abhor that which is evil? Or do you just kind of wander through life? Third question. Question number one, are you sincere? Question number two, two, do you have pure motives? Question number three, are you dependable? Are you dependable? Look at verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Are you dependable? Dependability is a priceless commodity in a friendship, relationship, marriage, you fill in the blank. Are you dependable? Interestingly enough, we expect everybody around us to be dependable. Do we not? We get mad if they're not. But how dependable are you? See, a happy marriage and a healthy relationship just doesn't happen. They, you know, um, they they don't they don't just happen. Uh, they are intentional and deliberate. Intentional and deliberate. They require work. In fact, in fact. Honestly, and, and this is my opinion, I, I think relationships, particularly marriage, is is one of the hardest things I've ever done. No, pro, no let me, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Just about the time you think you got her figured out. Right, guys? <clears throat> Now, guys, we're we're an open book. We're easy. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll get in trouble for that one, but that's okay. Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse four: The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, 
but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I, I love this verse. I, I love this verse for a couple of reasons. One, because the, the, the truth embedded in this verse is incredible. But it also, every time I read this verse, I, I, it brings back a very dear friend of mine. His name is Ken Dallas. Ken, Ken Dallas is, he's 6'6". He, he's just a big guy. But it, when I worked at Ambassador Baptist College, Ken, I was the facilities manager, and Ken was the, uh, the he was in charge of the kitchen. He was the <clears throat> uh, chef in charge of the kitchen. And uh, just about every morning when I did my preliminary work, I would, I would go to the, to the cafeteria or the kitchen and <clears throat> usually nine, between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'd go into the kitchen, I'd pour myself a cup of coffee, and I'd go back into the actual kitchen, and I would sit there and talk to Ken, and you know we'd just shoot the breeze for half an hour or so, and then I'd go my way, and he'd stay there doing what he does. And, but anyway, most mornings... Ken would be standing at a particular table and he would be preparing the, the food for the, the noon meal, okay? Because it was, you know, usually about 9 or 9.30 in the morning. And more often than not, he was cutting meat. I don't know why, but it just, that's what he was doing most mornings about that time. So the majority of the time, and I've worked there for, five and a half years. So for five and a half years, just about every morning, I'd stand there with my cup of coffee and Ken would stand there with his his big old sharp knife and his long steel. I think it's called a steel, isn't it? Okay. And <clears throat> he would he would uh, grab a hunk of meat and he'd, he'd, he'd just go to town on that chunk, chunk of meat and then he'd stop. And he'd go... Have you ever seen a chef do that with a steel? And he, he'd run that he'd run that thing, so he wanted to keep the blade sharp. And after five and a half years of doing this, I noticed that the blade of that knife was getting thinner. And it dawned on me one day, every time he swiped that steel to sharpen his knife. It caused friction. And that friction over time ate away at the blade. Iron sharpeneth iron. That's a true fact. But what happens sometimes in a relationship when a friend comes to you and has to tell you something that's not so nice? Can there be friction? Absolutely. But see, that's the very thing that will sharpen you. See, a true friend loveth at all times. A true friend will be honest even when it's hard to be honest. Iron sharpeneth iron. 
And we live in a world today that says if there's conflict in a relationship, then the relationship is no good. That's not true. Conflict is good for a relationship. Now, I'm not, you, you, I hope you understand the context of what I'm saying. I'm not saying fighting. That, that's, that's, that's not what this is talking about. But a true friend is going to love you and tell you things sometimes that don't feel too good. Iron sharpeneth iron. So man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. <clears throat> and then question number four. For right character. Are you resilient? Are you resilient? Now I chose this word resilient on purpose. Because <clears throat> the word resilient means this. To, to be able to recoil or spring back into shape after being stretched or compressed. So, in other words, when life happens, and it happens to all of us, and we get twisted out of shape, am I able to be resilient and pop back into shape? Look at verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. I want to give you three things here in verse 12. Three things. Three important characteristics of being resilient. Number one, rejoicing in hope. Do you rejoice in hope? When life is closing in and we are being compressed and we feel like everything in the world is closing in on us, can you rejoice in that? In the hope of knowing that God is still in control. No matter what's going on around me, I can rest in the fact that God is still in control. Proverbs Chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times, but a, born is, uh, but a brother is born into adversity. A friend loveth at all times. Are you resilient in your friendship? Are you resilient in your relationship? <clears throat> when I was a kid, <clears throat> I, I used to, I, I, actually, I still do this. I, don't, I just don't, anyway. I like to take pens apart. Anybody else do that? I, I like to, I, 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 my wife says I, I, I fiddle, okay? And one of the things, if you give me a pen and, and we're sitting talking, eventually I'm going to take it apart. It's just what I do. But when I was a kid, I would go so far as I would pull the spring off the little thing. Okay? And at that point, you might as well just throw it away. Uh, but I, I used to like take the, the, the spring off, and then what 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 would I do? And then 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 what would I try to do? And what would happen? It just yeah, okay. <clears throat> that is not being resilient, okay. That's a that's a picture of being not being resilient. But see, when we're resilient, life happens. Our relationships 
struggle, are you resilient? Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. <clears throat> the second characteristic is being patient in tribulation. One of the most difficult things to do is to be patient. Patiently waiting on God to work in difficult situations. We struggle with that. We struggle with patience all the time anyway. <clears throat> but when things aren't going the way we want them to, it's even more difficult, is it not? E even this morning, there's something I've been praying about and <clears throat> and I, I've just, I, 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 I was standing this morning, as Melanie was getting ready for, for church. I, I'm, standing in, I'm standing in front of the mirror and I, I, was, I was praying and asking God, God, I need you to work in this, this particular area. And, and I, I'm talking and praying and looking in the mirror. And, I'm, and after I thought, I thought, well, that was weird. But it's that, it's, that, it's that impatience. We want God to act now. Patient in tribulation. And then the third one, look at, look at verse, <clears throat> verse 12 again. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tri tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Continuing in prayer. Number three, continuing in prayer. Prayer is a vital part of any relationship. It has to be part. Never stop praying. Never stop bringing your burdens to the Lord. Never stop thanking God for the blessings in your life. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Casting all your care upon the idea of casting here is not to cast and bring back. It's to cast and let go. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, we, we, will, we will develop resilience when we learn to rejoice in hope, when we have patience in tribulation, when we continue in prayer. But too many relationships don't, don't survive hard times. Too many relationships can't, they, 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 they can't sustain difficulties because they were never built on the right foundation. God designed us to be social beings. And the characteristics <clears throat> or the, the things that God has given us in these 31 verses are key to His design. We need to understand, we need to learn how to read God's map book. 
Without it, we're going to be lost. See, I grew up, <clears throat> I grew up in L.A., L.A. County. And <clears throat> my dad used to buy every year, I don't know who made them, but he used to buy these map books um, of, of, the, of the, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah. And, and you had to learn how to use the map books because <clears throat> you would go from one page to another and it wouldn't be the next page sometimes. Okay, it would, and so you had to learn how to use the map book. Most people today, under the age of 30, you hand them a map book and they're going to go, what is that? <laughs> Why? Because they just Google everything. Okay? And the problem that we run into today is we hand people a Bible and say, here is your map book, and they say, I don't know how to use it. I'll just Google everything. You can't live like that. You can't live like that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study there is a word that implies work. God doesn't want it to come easy to us. We have to work for it. But most of us don't want to do that. Right character. Number one, are you sincere? Number two, do you have the right motives? Number three, <clears throat> are you dependable? And then number four, I, I, I forgot. Anyway, let's see. Uh, oh, resilient. That's what it was. Number four, are you resilient? I can't answer those questions for you. I can just struggle with them in my own life. Next week, we will go to part two of this message. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and the fact that you designed us to be social beings and that you have given us a map on how to do that. And I ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning and that you would help us and encourage us in the area of relationships, uh, personal relationships, marriages, uh, every kind of relationship imaginable. You have a formula and a map on how to help us get there. I am so thankful and so grateful for all that you have done in my life. And I ask, dear God, that you would continue to work, that you would continue to help me to be more like you in everything that I say and do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, has God spoken to your heart this morning? Has he, has he challenged you possibly? Has he encouraged you? I, I, I have no idea what God could be doing in your heart and your life this morning. But I do know this. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God has spoken. He is doing a work in my heart and life this morning. Will you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you, I promise. Amen. Is there anybody to say, Pastor, 
truth is I've never been saved. I've never trusted the Lord as my Savior. Is there anybody say, Pastor, would you pray for me too? Just lift your hand. I'll see you and I'll pray for you. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the struggles that each of us face. You know the burdens that each of us carry. Far better than possibly we know ourselves. You know what the, what the bend in the road is going to look like. The struggle, the, the trial that we are about to face. Or maybe even facing. Lord, I just ask that you would guide and direct. You give us wisdom. That you would help us be with every heart of every hand that was raised. Encouraged. Strengthen, help. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.